0: Hi, this is Doug Manch, and you're listening to Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast.
1: Hello, hello, loony listeners. You are listening to Into the Night, the Moon Knight podcast. This is another retrospective bonus episode for you, the loonies, and in particular, the newer loonies who may not have heard these interviews before. I'm your High Priest of Conchu Ray. Welcome, welcome. And over the course, leading into the festive break and into the new year, I'll be re-releasing some interviews that we've had with some great Moon Knight alumni. So, this is the third one to come from our episode 100, which was way back a couple of years ago, I think. And uh, this was the the jewel in the crown. Not to say that the other interviews were any uh, lesser, but uh, I had the absolute pleasure and honor of speaking with Doug Mensch, the creator of Moon Knight. Uh, and so I'll present this to you if you haven't heard it before If you have uh, and just want to re, uh, re-listen, please do uh, It was a great chat with Doug Again, a little bit of context I think it was 4 o'clock in the morning for me to uh, to uh, sync up with Doug Over on the other side of the world And I had a huge, I think, cold or a head cold So apologies in advance for the voice uh, It was a little croaky but I was not going to pass up this opportunity to speak to Doug Mensch. Anyway, I hope you enjoy. There is plenty to unpack here. And I've actually, just incidentally, I've actually got more of uh, some of the chat um, after the official interview, which I may release later on as well. It's a lot shorter, obviously, because the main bulk was in this. But uh, who knows, I might just re- release that for you, the loonies, uh, we chatted a little bit about Batman. <laughs> anyway, enjoy this interview. Yes, loony listeners, this is the High Priest Ray from Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast, and we are absolutely honoured to have with us uh, for our 100th episode uh, none other than Doug Mensch, the creator and writer of Moon Knight. Doug, hi. How are you? All right. How are you doing, Ray? Oh yeah, oh, good, good. You know, a little, uh, right. a little scratchy in the throat, but I'm very happy to be here and very happy to be chatting with you. All right. Uh, look, kicking off, I guess I wanted to take you back, Doug, to uh, to around the time that Moon Knight. Was created back in the 70s, and kind of get a picture of of what it was like to work at Marvel. How how was it like? Um, well, what was it like? You know, in the office back in those days, uh, were they? Was it quite, you know, quite stressful? Were, were there a lot of really pressing deadlines? Um, and well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, but it, it was funky, man. It mm-hmm. was really a, a small office, but the the bullpen actually was a bullpen. And, uh, you know, you've seen in, uh, you know, what, what was that? The bullpen bulletins page and mm-hmm. Stan's soapbox and all that. And they talk about the bullpen being one one big happy family. Well, it really was at that mm-hmm. time. Uh, uh, I I can't tell you how how much fun it was it was stressful as you say and (laughs) people were always blowing deadlines and uh meant many nights you had to stay up all night and and just get something done you know but um yeah i and my girlfriend at the time later became my wife uh Mm -hmm. she was uh, friendly with uh all the guys in the bullpen all these Older guys, of course. Now I, I look at how old I, I am now, and I'm <laughs> thinking back. Then the older guys were in their forties and fifties. You know, mm. wow, were they old? <laughs> but it was it was weird to have, you know, my girlfriend was the same age as me, uh, mm. uh, what early twenties, I guess, mm-hmm. and we become friends with all these guys in their forties, fifties, sixties, even. I think John Verporten was close to 70, and he became Mm. one of our best friends. He was a terrific guy. I remember everybody was scared of him because he was in charge of uh, trafficking. He was the the deadline enforcer, right? Yeah. But I I was never afraid of him because I never blew a deadline. So (laughs) it it was easy for me to become friends with him. Yeah. And even call him out for his bluff, you know. (laughs) But, uh,. he was great he he had a great apartment in manhattan and he had a this was way before well not way before but 10 years before i guess home video mm-hmm. and he had an actual movie projector and a screen and you know bootleg prints of <laughs> citizen kane and jaws and the french connection and oh, wow. he had actually a list of uh I think it was 106 movies. Wow. And every time he invited us over, he'd give he'd pull out the list and say, "Okay, pick one." <laughs> and they were all good, too. There yeah. was there wasn't a single stinker in there. Uh, <laughs> but why would you pay a fortune for a bad movie, right?
1: Oh, look, it's uh you know, this day and age as well, uh, bootlegs you know, yep, run yep. common. <laughs> uh, well, these
0: weren't, these weren't really bootlegs. I think mm. these were stolen, stolen prints, you know? Oh, okay. Even, better, uh, even better. it was, it was a black market. The, uh, the theater's, uh, projectionist or whatever oh,
2: would right. just
0: steal, uh, steal the print.
1: Oh my God. And,
0: uh, And then put it up for sale uh, on the black market and uh, good old John, you know, (laughs) he he would snap them up. Why not?
1: He loved movies. Uh, So apart from him being quite the stickler with the deadlines and stuff. um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, he wasn't making money. He never charged anybody to see these movies. You know, Mm. he just loved the movies. Yeah. Was there any um, joker or or, um, funny person in the office that, you know you'd always kind of oh, lean to? to... Joker.
0: Um, well, everybody had their jo- I remember, uh, I think it was Don McGregor and maybe mm-hmm. Jim Salakrop, maybe a few other of these okay. guys. I remember they they descended on uh, Tony Isabella <laughs> and uh, put him in a box and tried to <laughs> mail him to California, ship him off to California. Oh, really? but, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. There was stuff like that going on all the time, but oh, that's cool. I don't, I don't think there was any one particular joker. No. Mm.
1: And and how did you like? I guess working on the titles that were were on there at the moment. Like, how did the office? I mean, how did you? Did you have um, big kind of well, office, I, it, office it meetings? Was, to it,
0: it was it was weird. Um, Marvel, for the longest time, had been sort of like uh, uh, static in terms of the output, you know, the mm-hmm. actual volume of pages produced per month. And then they reached a point where they decided to really up uh, the the number of available Marvel titles, right, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, found out, oh, my God, you know, we need we need more writers and artists right mm. we can't we can't do this with the people we have right now, so I think I was one of the first ones they reached out to. I was not in the New York area mm. I was living in Chicago and very happily uh, uh, you know from girlfriends to uh making money i couldn't believe it I was a uh, I was a long hair before they invented the word hippie. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. When the Beatles came on Ed Sullivan, I stopped going to the to the barber shop. <laughs> and uh, we called ourselves long hairs or heads or freaks or whatever. Uh-huh. And I remember one day walking down the street past a construction site, and all the construction workers started yelling, Hey, hippie. <laughs> And I'd never heard the word before. I didn't know what the hell was going on. Hmm. And I got to my apartment. I lived with three girls at the time. And one of them said, oh, yeah, there was a thing on the news last night about this new uh, thing in California. Longhairs are calling themselves hippies. Oh, wow. (laughs) So so overnight it became a new word, at least in the Chicago area. Yeah. Yeah. I assume in the New York area, anywhere other than California, where it had been around for a couple of months, I guess. Yeah. But, uh, it, you know, I was very, very happy living that kind of lifestyle. And then when I started selling stories, it's like, wow, you could live this lifestyle like a king now, you yeah. know, with money. Oh, geez, you know. So yeah. I, I, the phone rang one day, and this was... I had gotten a job with the Chicago Sun-Times. That's a pretty big deal. Well, yeah. paper okay. in the States. And uh, I'd gotten a job there not as a reporter, just uh, as like a, you know, a flunky who worked in the communications room, all the UPI and the AP and the
1: mm-hmm.
0: Reuters and all of that, all those machines, the telex machines. You yeah. know, now it's all computers it's All computers, all now. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and so I just took care of those machines and tore off the stories as they came across the wire and distributed them. Oh,
1: right. But I
0: was working I was working the graveyard shift like one in the morning till nine in the morning. Uh
1: sorry, Doug, yeah. so were you uh, were you writing um like on the side or just, you know Well, um... I
0: I had I had just started selling stories to uh creepy and eerie and vampirella, right? Oh, right. Then I got this job an hourly wage job and it was graveyard shift and i ended up being the only one there yeah. and out of the eight hour shift there was about eh, 15 20 minutes of actual work right <laughs>
2: cool. you you had to <laughs> make sure
0: good. all of the te- all the teletype machines are loaded with enough paper to last through the night
2: mm-hmm.
0: and mm-hmm. then before your shift ends you go into from machine to machine and tear off all the stories and distribute them right yeah so the, the seven-plus hours in between, mm. nothing to do. So I would sit there and write creepy and eerie and Vampirella stories. I, so oh. I'd get paid by the hour and by the story.
1: Was that done, you know, the creepy stories, Vampirella stories, did that come about because you were working in the graveyard? You know, you're finding yourself by, by yourself in the, the dead of night. Uh, you know, was, was no, that no, it, no, no. no,
0: no, I had sold those. I had started selling them before oh, I got okay. job. Oh, okay, right and the the way that happened was uh have you ever heard of Don Glute? It's Glut it's G L U T no he used to he used to write comics for gold key he did some oh, okay. marvel stuff yeah. uh he's probably best known as the author of the dinosaur dictionary <laughs> which is sold in museum gift shops you know oh okay cool. and, it's an evergreen, right? He's not. He's tech. He's technically not a paleontologist, but mm. he talks to all the actual paleontologists, and ah, yes. uh, you know knows pretty much as much as a paleontologist. But mm. anyway, he became a good friend when he called out of the blue when I was maybe fourteen mm. and had a fan letter published in Spider Man, mm. and he saw the fan letter and said, you know. Doug Mensch in Chicago, Illinois, looked me up in the Chicago phone book because he lived in Chicago also. Yes. And just called out of the blue and said, Hey, I'm Don Glued, and uh, I'm renting the complete Captain Marvel serial, all 15 chapters. And I'm going to show it in my basement next Saturday. If you chip in fifty cents, you can come and watch it. My mother will make popcorn. You know. Yeah. And I said, "Well, okay." So that's how I got to know Don Glute. And then, right. fast forward maybe four years or so, whatever. Mm-hmm. I hear from Don that he sold a story to uh, Creepy. Right. Okay. And I thought, and I thought, wow. If he could do it, I could do it, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because to to amuse ourselves, we used to, you know, you know, hang out together, read yeah. comic books, and then we would yeah. each write stuff yeah. just for the hell of it and take turns reading what each other had written. And and I, I felt like I my stuff was way better than his, you know. <laughs> Very cocky guy. Oh good. But,
1: good. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was about to say, um, it's good, it's good that you had that confidence as well, because I guess that would oh, yeah, yeah, free yeah, you yeah, free yeah, you up yeah. from said, not being inhibited in any way to write your stories. No,
0: no. What did I have to lose, you know? Yeah, exactly. But after he said that, I said, I could do this. And I sat down to write a story. Mm-hmm. And before I was halfway done with the, the first story I ever wrote, I had ideas for two or three more. Cool. And then... Uh, you know, it ended up, I wrote five stories in five days. Wow. And each one only took, like, you know, four hours or five hours, whatever, yeah. And after an afternoon. Now, you know, they were only seven-page or eight-page stories, whatever. Yeah. And I, so at the end of the five days, I just took all five stories and put them in an envelope and, you know, wrote a little cover letter. Yeah. And sent them unsolicited in the mail to, uh, creepy, you know, Archie Goodwin was the editor at the time. Mm -hmm. And it, like I said, I was a long hair with very involved in music and girls basically. (laughs) And I promptly forgot about the five stories that I'd written. I went back to my old ways. Right. And, you know, months later, uh, an envelope it shows up in the mail from Warren Publishing, and I thought, oh, I, I forgot about those stories. I opened it up, and it was a check for a hundred twenty-five dollars. Right? This is 69, 1969 or something. It was like a fortune. They must have been a impressed. Fortune. Yeah, they must have been impressed. Yes, and yeah. I thought, oh my God, they bought one of my stories. You <laughs> know, hundred twenty-five dollars. Wow. Jeez. Then I opened the flap of the check. Yeah, and the bottom part it listed all five stories. They were uh, paying a, a whole twenty five bucks a piece. You know, so well, that's so that's great, though, isn't it? So yeah. yeah, well, the good news is they loved all five stories. The <laughs> yeah. bad news is they only paid twenty five dollars <laughs> a story. My God, yeah. but but that's a lot of money in sixty nine. Mm. You know, mm. so I kept I kept it up, and yeah, uh,
1: yeah. Uh, what were you reading at the time? Like what? Um, oh, a lot of lot of science fiction and uh-huh. fantasy mm-hmm. and horror. Yeah, so um, you're a big horror fan. What?
0: I was reading. I was reading weird stuff too. Uh-huh. You know, Esquire magazine. I read that all the time for some reason. They had, <laughs> re, they had really good writers, and they were writing about stuff I couldn't have cared less about. Uh-huh. I remember this one article about trout fishing. <laughs> I couldn't care less about trout fishing, but I thought it was one of the best written things I'd ever
1: seen. You know? that's really good. So you just you appreciated it for its quality, like you know. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: yeah. I didn't, I didn't care. I, I remember um, suddenly becoming fascinated by all these words I'd never really been familiar with before, mm. and I began, uh, I you know, stockpiling words in my brain and yeah. looking them up in the dictionary and. My er, my real early writing is just god awful because it's me it's me showing off how many big words I know you
1: know it's really uh, bad stuff but it it led me it led
0: me to uh, regular writing you know yeah
1: yeah so and you must have been uh, writing for uh, like since you very early on as well like you mentioned so prior to when you were fourteen as well uh, it just seems that you obviously a, a, a very attuned to to writing very interested in in writing prose,
0: yeah, I don't know how that came about, but hmm. uh, I have a grade school, uh, uh, like mimeograph—not uh, mimeographed, not mimeographed uh, What was the other process? Whatever it was called, hmm. um, hand cranked printing thing, uh, and I actually wrote and drew a comic strip for this thing oh, when I cool. was in grade school. Called my dog Sandy. Um, and i did have a dog named sandy but i i had forgotten all about this thing where uh, i fall i fall down a cliff or something and my dog sandy comes and rescues me and <laughs> it's I where did this come from yeah. i don't know and then and then i wrote something in high school for uh english class mm-hmm. and the english teacher asked me to stay behind after the class and then she said I want you to take this story to the literary magazine editor right now and tell them I sent you, and, you know, well, that's going to guarantee they'll publish it, right? Yeah. And that, uh, it was a rip-off, a total rip-off of an EC comic book story. Right. About, I don't know, do you know the EC comics? No, no, I'm familiar with them. Okay, there was one, they they were very big on... uh, social uh, justice stories, okay. you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And there was this one allegorical science fiction story about uh, blue robots and orange robots, and they're having this big uh, war, you know. The, yeah. the, the blue robots hate the orange robots and vice versa. And a human is sent and the human's in a, you know, like an astronaut outfit, a spacesuit. You yeah. can't see his face. But at the end, after he has worked out this thing between the blue and the orange robots, he takes off his space helmet, and it's a black guy. Uh-huh. And it's like, wow, that really made an impression on yeah, me. Yeah, that know? would be quite... Yeah. So so I totally ripped that thing off. I didn't... not <laughs> Not word for word. I didn't look at the comic book at all. I just sat down and started writing a story mm. and it came out it was that story. It totally yeah. ripped off. Wow. But it got published got published in the high school literary magazine.
2: Yeah.
0: And no, then, made and then yeah. yeah, I remember all the all the black guys in the high school when they found out I was the one who wrote it.
2: Mm. All of a
0: sudden I'm okay, you know? <laughs> oh wow. <that's laughs> great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but I I never told them I stole it. You no, know, no. Of and then course not. it wouldn't not. have been so cool. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, yeah. I guess uh, without without knowing I was a writer, you could look back and see mm. these things. Well, you, you were a writer all
1: along. You yeah. just, didn't, just keep on coming just back to it. Didn't categorize
0: it. it that way. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And of course, obviously, the distraction of the uh, girls and music as well would have. Oh yeah. 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 That was great. <laughs> would have kind of like. <laughs>
0: That, that, that was, a, you know, there's another thing. Yeah. Before, uh, before I started writing uh, commercially, mm-hmm. uh, for, somehow I ended up with this. Somebody in my high school told me to go see this guy at radio station WLS in downtown Chicago, right? Yeah, yeah. Because they, they're thinking of doing something with the youth. So I I go to this meeting and I walk out. Now I'm the uh, I'm going to be the editor <clears throat> and the head writer of uh, WLS Generations, a new magazine yeah. that's modeled on Rolling Stone, which had you know just started. Wow! Uh, I think it only had one or two issues out, and mm-hmm. already this Chicago radio station wanted to get their version out. Yeah. And as a result of that, I, I get this press pass i end up uh you know getting high with the who and (laughs) (laughs) and get (laughs) front row front row for Jimi hendrix wow you know meeting all these people is unbelievable
1: yeah Yeah, that would have been a a magazine
0: Magazine never came out. Never came.
1: out. Ah, but it still was a great gateway but, to 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 go to have oh opportunities yeah, I, to do all that. I, I did.
0: I did the interviews. I met the people. Yeah. I got to the you know to the concerts. It was great. Yeah,
1: oh, fantastic. Um, I want to now kind of just turn uh, to to Moon Knight himself. Um, So uh, you creating these stories, you're being informed by, um, you know, some science fiction, what you're reading. um, Yep. You know, later on, a a bit of horror, as you mentioned, with with creepy. Uh, Yep. Moon Knight, how... Obviously, first seen in 1975 in Werewolf by Night number 32, which you were were writing. Uh, How did he come about? Like... Take us through well, how how you decided to introduce him. Um what yeah, was, well, was the pitch had, that you kind of yeah?
0: First they had asked me to write this thing called Manwolf and I said, mm-hmm. Okay. But I didn't really like it. And then they asked me to uh write Werewolf by Night, and mm-hmm. I, I liked that title much more. And I, the reason I didn't like Manwolf, I don't know if you remember that. Mm-hmm. He was uh, an astronaut who was J. Jonah Jameson's. Yes, son. What, nephew or son? Uh, Yeah, okay. Something like that. Yep. And they told me I had to have J. Jonah Jameson in every issue of Manwolf to help the sales. And I kept telling them j jonah jameson is not going to get one single person on earth to buy a copy of man wolf you know more than are already buying it and they Mm -hmm. said yeah well you know he's big in spider-man i said no spider-man's big in spider-man j jonah jameson is a fun character but he's not the one making the sales come on they said well you got to put him in there all right i'll put him in there (laughs) and then they said oh and by the way you can't do anything that will make j jonah jameson upset and i said what do you mean well because he's in spider-man you can't do anything in manwolf that the spider-man readers might not know about that would make him upset in an Mm -hmm. issue of spider-man the spider-man writer doesn't have to deal can't deal with your stuff from manwolf and so don't do anything that would make him upset And i said his his son or nephew is a werewolf How, how's he not <laughs> exactly. going to be upset yeah keep the you a, know, keep and, poker and, face. So i hated that yeah. i just hated that title and then when mm. they said would you do werewolf mm-hmm. by night i said absolutely but only if i can drop Manwolf. Mm-hmm. and they said oh okay so now i'm i'm the writer of werewolf by night and mm. very new to marvel yeah. feeling my way uh feeling kind of like I don't have the right to do anything radical to these sacred Marvel comic books,
1: you know? Well, you I just been... been, Yeah, I mean, you just had that talking to about J. Jonah Jameson, so... Yeah,
0: yeah. I wish I had been bolder from Mm -hmm. the very get-go. I eventually became bold and broke all the rules, but Mm -hmm. at this point, I was trying to be deferential. Mm -hmm. And it was time to... You know, come up with the next issue of Werewolf by Night after me not doing, you know, what I considered really great stories so yeah. far. They, You know, they were okay. And I think somebody in the office mentioned, well, you know, so-and-so came up with the, the committee, and oh, maybe you yes. should bring the committee back. And yeah. I think it was Gary Friedrich or somebody. Oh, so they featured and somewhere said, else,
1: did they, beforehand?
0: Uh, yeah, I think yeah. so. Okay. And so, someone suggested I use the committee, and then I, I found out who the committee were, and I said, "Well, they're really boring. You know, I don't <laughs> want to use them." And then I thought, "Well, wait a minute. How about if the committee <clears throat> hires a mercenary to uh, kill the werewolf?"
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And and I thought, "Yeah, that's a good idea. And then right. I can create this new character." And it won't be these boring guys in business suits, you know. It'll yeah. be, you know, a fla- a flashy character. So I set out, well, who who would be best to uh, kill the werewolf? Well, someone who uses silver weapons because silver hurts mm-hmm. the yeah. werewolf. And, you know, and uh, <coughs> tied to the night because werewolf mm-hmm. only comes out at night. what's at night, the moon, okay, I'll base this character on the moon, uh, because the moon makes the werewolf change, and this is going to be the opposite of a werewolf, and, you know, so I knew he was, uh, and as soon as I said the moon, oh man, and I'll have a costume that's like the moon—just black and white, jet yeah. and silver, no color, no color on the costume. What an ordeal that was getting the colorist not to put color <laughs> on the They—they always—they yeah. felt like they weren't doing their job if they didn't put, <laughs> you know, like blue on them or something. Hey, no, you're, you're just giving him a leave break. Leave it alone.
1: Yeah, you're giving him a break. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
0: It's making your job easier. Yeah. Just leave <laughs> right. it alone, black and white. So and then I came up with you know the silver the the cestus like the mm. gladiator. Uh, oh, that's one of uh, my
1: favorite bits actually. <laughs> the yeah, the
0: spiked knuckle yeah. thing made out of silver. Man, when he punches a werewolf, the werewolf's going to feel it. Oh, that's quite And gruesome, then the throwing yeah. the throwing darts are made out of silver. Plus, how about a crescent shape because that's yeah. the moon, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. All this stuff started falling into place, yeah. and I thought, well, this is pretty good now. The werewolf is the star of the book, Mm -hmm. so the guy going after the werewolf is going to be the villain. But on the other hand, the star of the book is a werewolf, so anybody fighting a werewolf is kind of a good guy, you know? Yeah, that's right. So I thought, well, my new villain is also kind of a hero. He's going to be an anti-hero. Yes. Uh, it's good that he's trying to stop a werewolf, mm. but our werewolf is Jack Russell, and we know Jack is a good guy. He doesn't want to be a werewolf, mm. you know. So it, it, anybody who goes against him is a good guy and a bad guy, or yes. just a, a much worse bad guy, Either yeah. you know, either one.
1: Yeah, I, I think it was... Yeah, it really played out well in those those issues because you really do get the sense that he is a villain at the beginning, but I love it how towards the end he gets gets some empathy for for uh, for Jack yeah. Russell. And uh it ends up being quite quite good at the end a nice little team up against the committee.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And now I did not have to pitch this to anybody because you were asking what the bullpen was like back then. Yeah. The bullpen was wonderful in one certain way that I I I I valued way above all others, and that was, it was such a sort of uh, shoestring budget kind of outfit, you know. Yeah. It was a low profit enterprise, Marvel Comics, mm-hmm. and they they couldn't afford to have an editor for every book, so they had like an editor-in-chief, and then they had a couple of assistant editors who were really nothing but glorified proofreaders. Mm -hmm. So basically, and then they hired what they thought were good writers and put the writers on the books they thought these writers would be best on. Mm -hmm. And basically, if they succeeded at that, there was no editing involved. The writer was his own editor. The writer Ooh. was in total control. That's what I loved about the early Marvel. That would model. be awesome. Yeah. And the middle Marvel, all the way up to, you know, pretty much when I quit. I quit because the Jim Shooter came along and mm-hmm. de- decided he was going to micromanage, and I, no, yeah. I can't do this.
1: Yeah. You but lost anyway. that freedom, yeah.
0: Yeah. And so, so every, and, and you know, it worked out good. If, if it turned out that someone was doing a lousy job, yeah. you just took them off that book and put someone else on it, yeah. you know, yeah. instead of trying to, you know, remold a writer who was not right for that book or, so, or was not a good writer, you know, didn't yeah. shouldn't have any job, maybe. Uh if you got the right writer on the right title, that's all you needed to do. Well, exactly. So it would
1: be more like playing to their strengths, right? So And, and you keep the title absolutely. fresh by having a different writer. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. And it was exciting. It was so exciting. It was, mm. you know, the freedom really uh, made you go wild, you know? Yeah. I mean... Yeah. uh If you went too far, you found out about it, <laughs> but you usually after the fact, it was too late but yeah. okay, don't do that again, that kind of thing and i don't think and I don't think any of us ever went really too far okay. uh, We knew what you know we could do in a Marvel comic and what yeah. we shouldn't do and right. and so so there was no pitching all there was was. Uh. Len Wein was the editor-in-chief at the time, mm-hmm. and, you know, in that uh, uh, bullpen bulletins page or whatever, yep. they tell you, what, you know, a little two-sentence, what's coming up in each issue of each title. Yeah, yeah, uh, You know, Fantastic Four, 132, you know, Dr. Doom does this or that, whatever. Yeah. uh so the editor-in-chief actually had to put all that together so he would yes. call each writer and say well what are you doing in this issue what are you doing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i got the call from Len Wein. all right i'm doing the bullpen bulletins page for may or whenever it was yeah. what's in werewolf by night number whatever it was yes and i said well i was just coming up with this this new character he's going to be a uh, a good bad guy or a bad good guy, a mercenary, a yep. guy who is hired by the committee to to kill the werewolf or stop the werewolf, whatever. Yep. And and he says, oh, that's a good idea. Okay, what's his name? And I said, well, right now I've got about 15 names. 15 names? Yeah. I said, yeah, I can't. There's one I like more than the others, but it doesn't seem quite right. So I might have to add more names to this list before uh, I get the right he says, read me the list. Yeah, yeah, what kind of read names? Read me the list. So, <laughs> so I read him the list. I go, "The old Blood Moon. Mm-hmm. And he goes, yeah, that's okay. But, <laughs> And I get to like the fifth or sixth one. I go, Moon Knight, And he goes, that's it, Moon Knight. That's what I said. Yeah, that's my favorite too. But something is telling me it's not quite right. And he said, "No, no, no, that's good. Uh, the, do that one." And I said, "Okay, good. That's the one of yeah. the fifteen I've got so far. That's the one I like also." So that was that's how it happened, you know. Great, it was pretty simple.
1: And, and yeah. you, um, you mentioned so you know editors in chief, but um, no editors per se. Um, no, nope. and the the different run of names. Was there any any Interesting. Like any part of Moon Knight that kind of didn't make the final iteration. That you know, did you tr- were you trying out different ideas on him that you thought at the end? Oh well, no, nah, no. Nah, I'll, I'll stick to the mercenary. I'll stick to the, oh. the silver, the crescent.
0: Yeah, probably, but I can't remember what they were. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, all kinds of things go through your head, and you, most of them you don't even bother jotting down. Yeah, uh, for sure. Just yeah. go no, 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 no. Eh, eh, maybe not, you know, just all these things are preliminary and yeah. and then you reach a certain point where you're convinced it's it will become something and yes. if you get to that point, mm-hmm. then you start writing down everything. Yeah. And yeah. And you use just about everything. At least in my process, that's how it worked out. Yeah. Once yeah. I started write, writing things down, I was pretty sure they were worth writing down and yes. worth doing, you
1: know. Yeah. And so like in um fast forwarding a little to, to nineteen eighty when, when Moon Knight does get his first title. And and I know that there were um we, we've actually covered it on the show as well, a lot of the um the stories in the, the rampaging Hulk magazine, uh Moon Knight yep. did pop up here and there, uh yep. before he got his own title in nineteen eighty. And there was a there yep. was a shift with um I guess from being associated with supernatural with the werewolf to, to then being part of Egyptian like mythology. Uh yeah. what kind of made you kind of lean towards the Egyptian mythology? Was it something that you were interested in at the time and, and oh, you found yeah, applicable? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's this um there's this museum on the south side of Chicago called I think it's called the Oriental Museum or the Something Oriental Museum. And I hmm. remember going there, you know, when I was maybe six who knows yeah. and it's it's one of the better museums for uh ancient egyptian stuff and i that just really got me for some reason right now i have all these uh museum replicas of mm-hmm. uh you know Horus Isis and cool. uh, Anubis and Sebek and you know all of them I did, there's so many Hathor and yeah. uh Osiris and it just thuff. It goes on and on and on. There's mm. so many. Bast, you know? Yes. And I have little statuettes of all of them. They're beautifully done. Cool. Um, anyway, so, yeah, uh, I guess once... Uh, see, it surprised me. Every time an editor would ask me to do a, I I remember doing uh, the Werewolf by Night. Okay, I thought I was just coming up with a villain, a villain hero, whatever, mm-hmm. for to fight the werewolf. Yes. And then I started hearing from fellow writers and editors and you know assistant editors. What, like I said, they're just proofreaders. Yeah. Like, wow, I really like that Moon Knight character. I go, yeah. oh really? Oh, thanks. You know, <laughs> and then you know, not thinking anything of it. And then it turned into, "Hey, you know, we, we got this book, Marvel Premiere, or whatever it is, or Marvel One Shot. I don't know. Why don't Why don't you do a Moon Knight story? You know, I go, Oh, really? You know, Yeah, just do a Moon Knight on his own without the werewolf. I, go, wow, that'd be weird. Okay, yeah. uh, let me see. And I'd go home and start gushing out. You know. Mm-hmm. And, it's like yeah i don't need werewolf to do this character but the character needs to change some
2: mm-hmm. uh,
0: away from this uh you know hard-hearted mercenary who'll do anything for money or virtually anything into a little more altruistic uh, more of a good guy if he's going to be the star of uh of this book you know this yeah. marvel premiere whatever so he started changing slowly but surely through, I think there were a couple of Marvel premieres or a couple of mm-hmm. one-shots or two-parters, whatever. And then they asked for him to be in, uh, oh, there was that black and white uh, magazine, uh, like 50-page story. And yes. And then I think there was the, the Hulk Yes. black and white hulk and then that turned into a full color full process color mm. and he was in the back of that and slowly but surely he's becoming more and more of a good guy uh less of an anti-hero more of a full hero and the way i thought i'd do that is well he develops a conscience and he decides to he actively deliberately decides to atone for his mercenary mm. past you know and then we get finally to where they said how about a regular monthly book a monthly color book a regular marvel comic yeah. moon knight and and the only thing i was told i had to do was give a, a fully developed origin story in the first issue and other than that you know go to it do what you want so once I was faced with that, I—that's when the—I guess I got really into the ancient Egypt stuff.
1: Oh yeah, it's, it's one of the favorite kind of aspects of of Moon Knight for many many fans. Uh, especially, it's also been elaborated on um, in the later runs with with Warren Ellis, uh, Jeff Lemire, and uh, most recently Max Bemis. Um, so we have a like a visual representation of because you know before in, in in your title back in um in volume 1 it was pretty much the the statue of konshu which we see yep. as a representation and like these days we we get like Khonshu represented um kind of with the, with the bird skull uh, you know and and he's quite a um it's almost like a conscience to to moon Knight as well um with uh with moon Knight's the other the other big aspect he had is um, I guess are his personalities, which were kind of yep late, have later on developed to become something I think much more than they they were originally in, intended um, oh yeah what were what was the idea behind actually giving him uh, a jake lockley and a, and a stephen grant and a, and a Mark Specter, because that kind of adds well, to, adds to this whole the mercenary and atoning as well oh yeah 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 yeah
0: yeah well Mar- well Mark Specter was the mercenary.
1: And
0: once I uh, decided that he, well, not once I decided, once he had to be like in New York because he's chasing a werewolf and, well, okay, the globe-trotting mercenary Mark Spector, that's who he is, but now he's not, you know, in, in far-flung uh, regions of Africa or wherever. Yes. Now he's, uh, you know, urbanized. And then I thought, well, what? I think in his first, in that Marvel premiere one shot or whatever, mm-hmm. is that where <clears throat> I came up with Jake Lockley? I think. Yeah. I I can't remember exactly how it came about or when it came about, but I remember thinking, well, what he needs, if he's going to, you know, uh, actively atone for his past and try to do good, uh, how is he going to find out where he can do this? You know, where, He's needed. It always bugged me, you know, with Batman and uh, the Flash, and you know all of these superheroes. Name any of them. I hated when they would just happen upon a bank robbery, you oh, yeah. know, yeah. And 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 then they could do their superhero things. Mm-hmm. I always you know, thought, oh, geez, not this again. So I deliberately tried to come up come up with a logical way for this guy. To practice his craft of being this costume character who did good, you know, that stopped evil. And I thought, well, a cab driver—he gets around the city. He, you know, he can—he he talks to the people in the sleazy parts of the city. Maybe stops in a diner, a favorite spot, and he gets the lowdown on what's going. You remember Crawley and Jenna? Yes. And, yeah. You know, he would—he would find out what was going down. It's like an undercover uh cop. And then I also thought, well, if if I'm going to do this thing with the helicopter and all the, you know, this takes a lot of money. Well, he's got a lot of money from being a mercenary, but this is going to take really a lot of money. And then I thought, well, maybe he played uh, the stock market and turned a lot of money into mega money. Yeah. And that's where Stephen Grant came from. Uh, now I have enough money for... A base in New York that has enough privacy for the the helicopter and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it all to me was a logical progression. Yeah, and you know, Mark Spector is the real guy, but the real guy has decided to change, right? Yes. Yeah. So that, I mean, know, that's one of
1: the main threads that still runs through. He's he's, he's yeah, want to Lock- Yeah.
0: Lockley is phony, and Stephen Grant is phony. But on the other hand, he he meets Marlene as Stephen Grant, and she's kind of in love with that part of him, that yeah. aspect of him, that version of him. So Stephen Grant starts to become more of the dominant one, although she knows about Mark Spector, and, well, she knows about Lockley, too. But uh,
1: it, it, it makes her a I real... Think it actually by having those different personalities, it actually gives you such an opportunity to, to kind of tell um, different kind of stories. You know what I mean? Like, uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Jake Lockley yeah. being the the very on the street kind of guy. Stephen Grant yep. high then, society. Yeah, yeah,
0: and then he gets to go to these uh, charity fundraisers and meet the you know the yeah. the ultimate uh, strata of society and. And Jake Lockley is down there in the in the alleys, you know. Yeah. yeah. No. And Mark Spector, Mark Spector is all around the world.
1: Mm. Right. And he's the action. He's yeah, he's the action guy, isn't he? So that's um. Yeah. 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 Look, look, um, Doug. I'm just uh, mindful of the time as well. Really appreciate uh, your time and sharing us, sharing with us uh, these stories on working at Marvel and and uh, on Moon Knight. I just wanted to end on, I guess, your thoughts. Uh, a, a couple of things uh, thoughts on uh i guess marvel you see the marvel characters now in the the t v and in the movies um are you are yeah. you a fan of them have you watched many of them
0: uh not a whole lot i've i watched i heard that uh uh peter quill the star lord had Ooh. great mixtapes great mixtapes yes. oh, so i watched oh, the two awesome. i watched the two guardians of the galaxy movies just to hear if i agreed that the mixtapes were good did you like them? and they yeah. yeah they were they were pretty good I i think i could do better but you know. <laughs> uh what else uh i watched uh the first iron man i happen oh, yes. to think uh Robert Downey Jr. is one of the better actors around, or at least he oh, was. Definitely. I guess he still is. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Do
1: you ever see this movie called Kiss Kiss Bang Bang? Uh, I know he was in it. No, I haven't watched it yet. But um, it's oh, one of gotta the watch that. Yeah, one of the big and ones. The,
0: and the Wonder Boys, and you yes. know, he's been in, he's been in a number of really good movies. I always uh, take note of him, so that's why I watched Iron Man. And oh I forget a couple others here and there. The first Thor because I thought Kenneth Branagh would would be an interesting director for a Marvel thing. He, he and, was an interesting and, choice, yeah. Yeah, he was an interesting choice, but he didn't do as well as I'd hoped he would uh, in my opinion. Um uh, I'm going to I'm going to watch the 3rd Thor cuz I heard that was good.
1: Oh yeah. Oh I saw I watched me.
0: Ant-Man. Ant Man is one of my one of my favorite characters from, you know, way back as a, a Marvel Comics reader, Marvel Comics fan. I always liked Ant Man. It seemed not many others were that thrilled with Ant Man, but yeah. I was. I don't oh, know.
1: What I is, tell you that the, the I first, thought he was great. Yeah. The first movie Ant I Man's I was, was
0: simultaneous
1: what's that? The the first Ant Man is fantastic, the movie. Uh, yeah, I highly recommend yeah, it. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I watched that one.
1: Oh, you saying? Okay. Um,
0: yeah, yeah. I haven't seen the, the second one, but mm-hmm. I did see the first one Uh a few others. And they keep telling me; they're constantly telling me that Moon Knight is yes. in development <laughs> for a TV series or a movie yeah. or something. And for some reason, it just never happens. Uh we're still hoping. I remember <laughs> when when I quit when I quit Marvel and went to DC. Uh, I remember Denny O'Neill calling me, he was my editor on Moon Knight, another editor who just said, do whatever you want, make me look good, you That's know, never yeah. interfered, that was great. But he, I, he called up and he said, well, you know, we're canceling uh, Moon Knight, and I go, really, why? Well, I've tried, I think, three writers, and nobody knows how to do it except you, you're the only one who could uh, pull this off. And yeah. I go, oh, all right, well, all right. <laughs> Yep. That's your choice, not mine. I'm gone. So maybe, maybe they're having the same kind of problem turning him into a TV series or a movie. Like, it, yeah, there are so many different. It's kind of them. different. Yeah, it's it's sort of off kilter. Mm. Uh, Marvel comic, you know, it's not the typical
1: thing. It, it'd be hard to translate, but I mean, Marvel Studios have done a great job by bringing characters like the Guardians of the Galaxy on the screen, characters yeah. you'd never think yeah. you'd see on the screen, and making it work, so, um, you know, we, the the Moon Knight fans have have high hopes that Moon Knight will still be around, and the, um, on screen, uh, I mean. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying it can't be done, Mm.
0: I'm just saying it hasn't been up to this point, and maybe it's because it's tricky, Uh, uh, you know, maybe someday some Hollywood guy will get a good handle on it, and bam, there you go. Yeah. Or, uh, or they'll do a terrible job and it'll get cancelled immediately. Who knows? And then
1: rebooted a few years later. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. There you go. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, and just finally, I guess um, you know, obviously, you know, massive fan of Volume One. You'll run with Moon Knight uh, as well, and they've been up to I think what were up to up to Volume Eight or Volume Nine. Different different um, series with writers. Uh, have you have you read many of them, or, or do you do you have any? No, no, okay. No, I
0: haven't. I haven't read any of them. Mm. Uh Char Was there a
1: guy named Charlie Houston? Yes, he's a, a great. I think volume okay. five. I think yeah,
0: yeah. He called me up and yep. told me he he was this super Moon Knight fan, and now mm-hmm. he was writing crime novels, and he somehow. Got the job of doing the new Moon Knight series, and I said, "Well, good for you." But uh, I, you know, I don't even think about it anymore. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, I, I I want to do it justice. I want because I mm. think what you did is a blah blah blah. Yeah. And so we became kind of friendly. We oh, had nice, a yeah. few phone calls, a few emails back and forth, and uh, but I I could never uh, bring myself to read what he had done or what anybody sure. had done. Really.
1: Yeah, it would be different, isn't it? I mean, I guess from a perspective of a creator, um, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just be,
0: uh, yeah. you know, I, I created, co-created uh, the Batman villain Bane, mm. and Tom Hardy. There's another guy who's a really good—he's yeah, uh, cool actor. Yeah. Uh, okay, he plays Bane, and he's one of my favorite actors. And yet, I haven't watched the movie yet. Ah, right.
1: I yes. haven't watched
0: the and I and I kinda like Christopher Nolan's movies. Uh yes. n- not Inception. I don't know why everybody loves that so much. <laughs> yeah. I like Insomnia and Memento. Those are Yeah, those Memento.
1: Two. Yeah, I know Memento. Insomnia I can't remember. I really like them. And yeah, and there's one or one or
0: two others that I well, Dunkirk is okay. Uh you, you know, he's pretty good and yet I because I did Bane, I there's something that I mean, I got the Blu-rays sitting on the shelf waiting to be watched, but I never grab it. You know, <laughs> I always grab something else. I yeah. can't
1: oh, I sort spo- of bring myself to watch it. Yeah, well, the par- paradox of choice, I guess, you know? Yeah, you know? Yeah. A lot of things on the shelf, it's what to watch, and we've got, yep. like, streaming Netflix, you know? Yeah, you end up, yep. like, looking through and deciding and, what to watch and then actually watching. <laughs>
0: As long as they keep sending me my character equity checks, I'm fine. I don't need to see it. Yeah. Just tell, oh, is it, you put Bain in another video game. How nice of you. <laughs> yeah, thank All you right. very much. <laughs> Send me the check. <laughs> they, I don't even get to, I used to love to get this big fat check and I'd leave it on my desk for a week and just pick it up and look at the number every once in oh, a while. Wow. That,
1: that must be. They such... don't
0: even do that. Now it's direct deposit, you know. <sighs>
1: Wouldn't be as satisfying. I never yeah. even
0: see. <laughs> so my wife says, oh, well, you know, they, they just put 72000 in the you know, Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I don't get to look at the check. I'm dead. do get desk, to admire,
1: yeah. Which, yeah. It's
0: so disappointing now.
1: Maybe you can request but, maybe I can just do it just like a as a a token check. <laughs>
0: well, I still get I still get Marvel checks and, yeah. you know, from all all the other publishers, but uh yeah, I just got a check from Boom. Oh. Boom, you know them? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. They, they, they re they reprinted Planet of the Apes, so oh, I got a right. check
1: for that. Oh, nice. Yeah. Awesome. Yep. Uh, All right. Well. Yeah. Doug, th- thank you. This has been such a uh, a joy to kind of just recount, I guess, your your time at Marvel and and to chat about Moon Knight. We really appreciate you uh, coming on the show, and um, thank you so much for for taking your time to to uh, chat with us. Sure. Loonie listeners, you can contact Into the Night, the Moon Night podcast on email at itkmoonnight at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook with a Facebook page and group, and on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Discord, Get Vocal, as well as on our website, intothenight.libson.com. You can also check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Please consider checking out the bonus incentives and any contribution will help us expand the show. A big thanks to sponsors Hello Headphones, empowering gamers to play their best. Use the code ITK MoonNight and get 10% off their online store. Also, a big thanks to Dreamland Comics. Use their code MOON and get a big 20% off their online store. We're also an affiliate member to Entertainment Earth. Please use the links to purchase any of your toy action figure needs and each purchase helps support the show. We're a big part of The Collective, a band of a few like-minded podcasters. And please check out the links in our show notes for access to all their shows. Alternatively, you can type in hashtag TheCollectiveNet on Twitter to see all the shows and all their tweets. Finally, if you'd like to review our show, please do so on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. This will help us get out there just a little bit more, and any loonies who don't know the show will be able to tune in. As always, take care, and may Khonshu watch over the denizens of the night. Moon Knight and Affiliated Characters, Stories and Events are properties of Marvel Characters Incorporated. Material used and discussed within the podcast are intended for critique and review purposes only under the fair dealing concept of the current Copyright Act. The views, information or opinions expressed during the podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the copyright owners. Any reproduction of any properties of Marvel is solely for entertainment use only.